Hello and welcome to the Yellow Podcast. I'm Dee. I'm Ash. We believe that Brent is a vibrant, culturally diverse community filled to the brim with stories and talent. The Yellow Podcast aims to shine a spotlight and give a voice to members of our community. On today's podcast, we have... Josh McNorton, Cultural Director at Wembley Park. Welcome, Josh, to the Yellow Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role? Sure. So thank you very much for having me, first and foremost. This is my first podcast experience. And I've been listening to many a podcast for many, many years. Uh, So firstly, congratulations on this one. And thank you you for having me. So um, as you can tell by my accent, I did not grow up in Brent or in the UK for that matter. I'm originally from Canada, a place called Windsor, Ontario which is across from Detroit, um, kind of southwestern Ontario. And I've been in the UK for nearly 12 years, and I moved here to work on the Olympics in 2012. So that was a huge uh, reason to come over and a huge element of my career, which I'll come back to because it very much links to what I do at Wembley. Um, But in terms of my role as cultural director, so I lead on the cultural activations and partnerships around the neighborhood. So that's mainly focused on the public realm. So we're very fortunate at Wembley to have a huge amount of public space. And as we all know, London's a very busy, compact city, lots of buildings. It's very urban, lots of concrete. But at Wembley, we're fortunate, I think, to have these brilliant pedestrianized you know, roads and boulevards and public squares. And so I'm uh, I have the fun job of activating them with culture. So doing food markets and film screenings and live music and loads of other things in between, um, but mainly focus on free events for the community that brings them into our public spaces. And then the other part of my job that's quite important to me is around partnerships. So that's always been a thread throughout my entire career is working with artists as well as arts arts organizations and then sometimes commercial organizations as well to really put together projects that will benefit the Wembley Park community, benefit our spaces, put us on the map, whether it be in terms of marketing, PR, but also just supporting the people that are in the neighborhood already or in in Brent, uh, the wider neighborhood, uh, the wider borough, and support them and the cultural activities that they're doing. I mean, Josh, just listening to you there, you're very passionate about what you do. I think that list is endless. What, What do you want to achieve? What's the one goal? If you look back, you want to say, you know what? I achieved this. This is what I did. I think when I was hired in 2019, the big push was around the uh, perception change of the neighborhood, which is still happening and will take a long time to really happen. And it's always ongoing. I think Wembley historically was viewed as a stadium and an arena and a whole lot of nothing else. And that's going back, you know, for a hundred years. Um, so I think obviously when Quintain started working on the development 15, 20 years ago, that was a huge thing is to make this a home for people, but not just a home um, of flats, but actually have a community around that. Um, And so what that means is actually giving people things on their doorstep, whether that be retail or cultural events or a place for members of the community to come, which you're doing here brilliantly. So I think it's um, first and foremost, it was about a perception change that this is a place you can come on any day of the week, any day of the year, and have cultural experiences, especially those 330-ish days when there isn't anything in the stadium. So I think that was the first thing I was sort of told way back in 2019 was we really want to change the perception of this neighborhood. And I think culture can do that. Culture can bring people together. Culture changes people's minds. Um, art, art specifically really can change people's minds. Uh, and that's something I'm really passionate about. But I think that's evolved. The pandemic obviously changed everything for everybody. Um, people want to have a safe place to be in all, all senses of the word safe. And I think people want to leave their doorstep, whether they live 
you know, right above where I am now at the yellow or whether they live in Brent and they're a few minutes away. They want to have things at their doorstep. They want to know that they can come here on a sunny Saturday and there's loads of things for little kids to do in terms of play areas and things. And they can hear some live music and, you know, certain in other years we've done film screenings outside uh, or there's food markets happening. So they want to know that we're a safe pair of hands. We're a safe place to be. And I really think that's happened now. So that is part of that perception change Mm. of Wembley. So that's kind of the big picture thing that... I'm always working towards. Um, and that's a holistic thing we all have to do together. It's not just about me and my role. Everyone in this company and in this neighborhood really works together to create that perception change. Well, um, I echo what Ash says. You're so passionate about your job and it seems like you thoroughly enjoy what you do. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of challenging aspects of your role? What's been a really difficult event that you've put together? Or have you kind of worked on something for a really long time and suddenly you've had to cancel it? Um, If you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I think the challenge is that this neighborhood's always changing. So it's not like working at a venue, which is which was my previous role, and I've worked at a few different venues, where the venue is a place and it doesn't really change. And so you can be creative within that, but you have those kind of four walls, let's say, that are immovable. Well, we're working for a neighborhood that's still being built. So there's always things happening that are changing, whether it be, oh, we actually can't do something in that square because they're fixing something in the ground or they're still building it and buildings behind schedule maybe and we have to wait. And so there's always a challenge in terms of timelines that's unique to to what I've done in terms of having, whether it be working on festivals or working in venues, which are much more kind of stable, I guess. So that's a challenge. And then also I think really where I work isn't a cultural organization. And my whole entire career has worked for primarily charities, but arts and culture organizations, where if it's working for a venue, the goal is to put on a show every night, sometimes multiple shows a night. Um, If you're working for a festival, you have this big deadline looming that doesn't change. It's, you know, 1st of July or whenever it happens to be. And that is this big immovable thing in the future. So everyone comes together and works towards that venue because the show must go on. Um, Works towards that deadline, sorry, because the show must go on. But where I work here, we're a property developer, we're a community builder, we're... um, we have all these partnerships that are joint. Some of them are joint ventures. Some of them are commercial. Some of them are cultural. So there's a ton of different pieces that make up Quintain, where we all work. And that's a really interesting challenge because I've only ever worked for organizations where everyone's doing kind of the same thing or at least has the same goal. And this is a great challenge because I'm the only kind of cultural director, only cultural team, although I work with lots of other teams. So I'm kind of a one-man band in some senses, which is also a challenge. But... Uh, I am able to bring people together often from the community to kind of work on things. And on that note, the kind of my baby, my baby project, (laughs) (laughs) sounds funny to say, but my baby project, which I first started building in 2019, right when I was hired, that was when there was a partnership with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra that was being finalized just as I was starting in October, 2019. And I was, I met them right away and I told them kind of right off the bat that I want to do site specific multi-sensory projects where the orchestra is a main feature playing live, but there's all these other things happening because that's my passion. I love site-specific. Everything I do here at Wembley is site-specific. You know, it could happen elsewhere, but it really doesn't because it's really built for for the neighborhood here. Um, so I pitched that to them really kind of abstractly right away and they were all in, they were ready to do it, all, all up for it. Um, and so we did this, we came up with this idea over many years called Wemba's Dream. Uh, Wemba being the reference to the Anglo-Saxon traveler who um, was kind of the first person to sort of settle here in, in Wembley, um, hence the name Wemba's Lee, Wembley. Um, so the idea is we're going to have the orchestra 
uh, perform and have all these other community-based performers, whether it be spoken word or other styles of music or, for example, classical, classical Indian dance, um, for example, and have them all perform with the orchestra. So it's not just music, it's dance and poetry and lots of other things, costumes and really vibrant uh, art forms that can be performed alongside orchestral music. Because for the RPO, they really want to demystify what is an orchestra. And you can go see them at Royal Albert Hall or Cadogan Hall. And that's amazing. And I do that and I love it. But really, music needs to come to the people, mm-hmm. needs to come to find new audiences. So they're very forward thinking, I think, in that fact that they want to take the orchestra into new places. And that place is Wembley Park. So we did a kind of trial event in uh, 2021. And um, that was really great where we had multiple performances across the neighborhood with different members of the orchestra collaborating with other, like I said, kind of community um, performers and artists and arts organizations. But then we decided to step it up in 2022 and do uh, a site-specific performance in a car park. So one location, which is in the base of one of our residential buildings, the Robinson, um, it's called Green Car Park. And it's a massively high-ceilinged, basically massive concrete box. And so it was my idea to say, can we put an orchestra in a place that is not made for an orchestra Mm. that's going to sound weird because it's a concrete box and it's covered, but it has open sides and it's... um, site-specific. That's the best word I can use for it. And so what I did is commissioned original music. Uh, there's an amazing composer called Danny Howard, who the RPO, RPO has already worked with. So we commissioned some original music by Danny, and we commissioned these different groups in the community. Uh, like I mentioned, traditional Indian dance. That's one of the groups, Sujata Banerjee Dance Company. Um, some great poets called Word Up. Uh, they're a poetry collective, mm. uh, three poets from that organization. And uh, Mahogany Carnival Arts, who are probably the kind of most famous arts organization, most revered and renowned um, arts organization in the borough, as far as I know, and they do incredible carnival processions and have incredible costumes and incredibly vibrant. So the idea is the orchestra, is, it's a 55-piece orchestra, is sort of the, the backing band, if I could say that, to all these other performances happening in the car park. And now the sad, sad part of the story is that uh, it was scheduled for the 10th of September last year. Unfortunately, we all got the news that the Queen passed away on the 8th of September. So that was uh, scrapped. What was obviously, there was a stage being, there was a stage built and there was the car park was ready to receive all these different uh, equipment and performers. But unfortunately, we had to stop that. So that didn't happen. So now we're doing it on the 3rd of September. So all the things I just mentioned are still happening. The event is still, in, in essence, the exact same, same location, but a new date this year. And I'm really excited. It's, it's uh, over a year and a half in the making. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've, got, you've done some amazing projects. I know Wembley's Dream's happening as well. What other projects are you working on that we should know about and the audience would like to get involved in? Sure. I think a big focus this year is to do more things regularly. I think that's what the community wants. In the past, uh, partially because of my background, we've done kind of big festival days, had these big moments a few times in the summer and a few times in the winter. And that's great. And that, But that requires a lot of resources. And also we're kind of at the mercy of the weather. Unlike Wemba's Dream, which is in a covered space, pretty much everything I do in the public realm is uncovered and we're very much at the mercy of the weather. So um, what we decided to do this year is change up the approach and do things basically every other weekend, some cases every weekend, throughout the summer. So that's what we're doing using these amazing public squares we have, including a new one we, we have, uh, we've built in the last year and a half, Samovar Space. So that's a space where almost every weekend of the summer you can come and hear live music. 
You can see dance pop-up, dance lessons and workshops. Uh, we've experimented with fun things like uh, BMX bike uh, demos and skateboarding. And that was a really fun one because we got to see a whole range of ages and people and abilities come along and try to you know ride on a skateboard with uh, lots of helmets and pads and things. And that was very cute. Um, so we're always trying new things because I'm passionate about all art forms. And that really is one of the best parts of my job is I get to work across visual art and live performance. And that's really exciting to me. So this summer, as part of, we're calling it the Wembley Park Live program, traditionally it would have been music focused. It is still lots of live music because music's my passion and it kind of works best, I think, to animate public space. But now we're expanding into things like circus and dance. Um, we did a Bollywood pop-up a few weeks ago and that was an amazing uh, treat. That was an br- amazing hit, um, having a professional Bollywood dancers come and both do a performance, but then have people come and learn how to do those moves. And that was really exciting. So that's a really fun part of my job. And that's happening throughout the summer. So May to September, even right up until Wemba's Dream on the 3rd and then even for a few weeks after in September, uh, we'll have live performance in that public space. So And people know, we talk to people when we're there. I certainly do there are people that live right above us, right on our doorstep. And there are people that are coming from the wider community because they know it's fun. They know it's free. They know it's always very safe. And like I said before, we're a safe place to be, a safe mm. pair of hands, which is nice. really reassuring. Well, Josh, your role sounds super interesting. And if someone wanted to become a cultural director, what would or, or work within the realm that you're working in, what does that journey look like for somebody to take a role like yours? And it's a twofold question. What does a typical day in the life of Josh look like? So in terms of the trajectory, I mean, the thing about my role that's really fascinating is that it didn't exist five years ago, as far as I know. I haven't looked all across the world in terms of what property developers and in neighborhoods and councils and things are doing. But as far as I can tell, it's a very new thing to have a whole neighborhood looked after someone by someone in-house. A lot of, whether it be a developer or even a local council, will have people external that they will hire in for specific projects. Let's say if there's an important year or important event happening that year, um, they'll bring people in. But in terms of having someone in-house to direct the different partnerships and activations that I've talked about. I think that's very unique. So when this role came along in 2019, um, I wasn't even sure it was the right fit for me because I had never heard of such a thing. And uh, and here I am, very happily, here I am. So I think the trajectory is hard to say because it's not something you can really study in uni. at uni. I think my trajectory is first and foremost was a music uh, person, a musician and worked in the music industry. Um, but then also when I was at uni, I studied creative writing. So I've always been really interested in writing and across all different genres and media and forms. So really my trajectory has been always a lover of the arts. And when I wake up in the morning, even when I was a kid, I want to make something that doesn't exist. And the coolest thing is that I still do that now. And so when I was a kid, I remember whether it be playing, playing in a band at age 13, writing songs in my bedroom, or um, you know working with visual artists in uni to kind of create something new for the uni building or a campaign or something um, as part of like student council, for example. That was always something I wanted to do, work with creative people, be creative myself. And so my journey has been kind of a roundabout way of doing things, but mainly focus on, well, always focus on the arts, but mainly focus on live experiences, live performances. And so what, what would a typical day in, in your job look like? So it's really different every day, which I also love. It's not a typical nine to five 
because I'm a kind of one man band, I will often only work sort of six to eight months in advance. In an ideal world, I'd kind of plan things years in advance, but um, really because the neighborhood's changing and what people want is changing and what we're able to do every year sort of slightly changes, it makes sense that I can sort of plan on a six to eight month basis. Um, so what that means is a mixture of me doing a lot of thinking and planning and researching. So I'm, especially with visual art, I'm constantly researching who's out there, who's doing interesting things. I'm going to a lot of exhibitions and because I'm a big music fan, I'm always going to gigs. And really it's seeing what other people are doing, whether it be inside a venue, but something that could be taken to the public space that we have here, or it could be what other property developers and other neighborhoods are doing. Um, The thing about my role, and I've been here nearly four years, is that there's been a lot of other, in in that time, there's been a lot of other people who have similar roles to me now Mm -hmm. in London. And so, and I know most of them. So whether it be Canary Wharf or King's Cross or the Royal Docks, they all, and their their structures are all different, um, but they all have a kind of a cultural leadership person or team uh, doing the kind of things that I've been explaining in their neighborhoods. So that's really useful because I can look at what they're doing, even though their neighborhoods are totally different. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might be a collection of five developers all in one neighborhood, which much, must be much more difficult to get things done. We're fortunate here to kind of have most of the land uh, to, to contain uh, under Contain's ownership. So I'm able to compare notes. And that's something that's super useful. So I kind of work by myself a lot, but I'm able to go out and talk to people and see what they're doing, what festivals are happening in these other open air, you know, public uh, realm spaces in London. So it's really, it's a lot of research. um, And that's coming up with new ideas, trying things out and uh, collaborating, trying to find people to collaborate all the time. So with all the projects that you've worked on, Josh, since you've come from Canada, which project has been close to your heart and why? So since coming from Canada, that's nearly 12 years, I worked on a Canada Day celebration in Trafalgar Square, which is something that used to happen every year. And the last one, I believe, was 2013, perhaps 2012. I think it was 2013. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's funny because when, I'm, when you're in Canada, I don't, didn't ever felt particularly patriotic. What is important about Canadians, and I think everyone would say this, is that we're very much defined by what we are not. We're often confused with Americans. We're obviously very dependent on America and very influenced, especially where I grew up on the border, very influenced by American culture and media and sometimes politics. So Canada is often, Canadians are often defined by what they're not. And so I was, you know, we might celebrate Canada Day, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Certainly wasn't as big of a deal as you, you would see in America for July 4th. But coming here, it that became a huge part of my identity that I didn't really think about as much. I guess I took for granted because I was in the country I'm from. Coming here, it's really important that I'm a Canadian and that people recognize that and hopefully hear that in my accent. And so that became a a really important thing to my identity that I never would have guessed before moving here. So I was able to work on Canada Day celebration, a massive celebration in Trafalgar Square. And that was the most special thing because it was, they had brought over these incredible Canadian artists, you know, tens of thousands of people there. And it was a great atmosphere. It was a free event. And that was just one of the most fun things. Uh, I'm very happy to report that it's coming back to Trafalgar Square this year. Um, I'm not involved with the event because I'm here, but uh, it's really exciting. And I'm going to go, you know, check it out, uh, of course, and support. But that was a fun thing just because it was so Canadian, mm. and but also was on the world stage. It was in this incredible, iconic location, Trafalgar Square. There was tons of people there who weren't Canadian, who were kind of getting a taste of Canadian music and maybe Canadian food or what whatnot, um, Canadian humor maybe too. But um, that was really close to my heart. Nice. 
Thank you, Josh, for joining the Yellow Podcast. It has been a real joy to listen to you speak about your passion. We always ask one final question to our guest, and that question is, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Ooh, 18 years old. Um, I mean, even at 18, which is just prior to going to uni, I was still... uh, doing the things I'm passionate about now. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be do, do what you love because I, I, I was doing that and I'm still doing that. I would say that the biggest thing I've learned in the last five years is that your body and your mind in terms of health are incredibly intertwined, incredibly connected. And maybe it sounds naive, but it's not something I really thought about in my teens and 20s and even a lot of my 30s was how mental health and physical health, mm. that's all connected. And you can't, support one or you can't improve one without the other. And so I would say, you know, at 18, probably feeling very healthy and very, well, definitely feeling very confident, always take care of those aspects of yourself because health and success is all about, it's a, you know, it's a whole 360 experience. It's a whole um, holistic thing that's part of you uh, and you can't neglect one side of it and expect everything else to be healthy. That's what I'd say. Thank you so much, Josh. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. We love working with you. It's very enjoyable and passionate working with you. So thanks once again, Josh. Thanks again. Likewise, thanks for having me.